Hi, my name's Steve Claridge. You're listening to the NL Full-Time Podcast. Welcome to this week's NL Full-Time. I'm Luke Edwards. Rob's away skiing somewhere in the slopes of Austria. And uh, Dickie will be with us doing a, a roundup for us later on in the National League North. But joining me to review the action is Tom Lang. Hello, Tom. Hi, Luke. How you doing? And we've also got Chris Pratt. Hello, Chris. Hello, Luke. We're going to look at the FA Trophy first because... It was a day of topsy-turvy games, really. There was only three games played. The other game between Concord and Royston was called off. But Notts County, they kicked off early against Aveling. And as expected, guys, a pretty comfortable victory for Notts County. Five different scorers there. And um, Aveling just went to enjoy the day, really. And they've done remarkably well just to get this far. Yeah, I mean, it's it's been a good few months for Aveling in general, really. Um, they're up to fourth in in the the Isthmian League North um, in what is actually a really competitive division. That's the same league as Molden and Tiptree who've had such a good FA Cup run this season um, and have only actually lost twice all all year. Had it been potentially like anyone other than Notts County and maybe Harrogate Town um, in that draw, I think Averley would have fancied themselves to give a good accounting. Um, but once Notts County came out of the hat, it was always going to be a case of going there trying to do themselves justice and just having a having a day out at um, a club of that size. Yeah, and, and I'd say and on the flip side for Notts County, I mean, they did the job that was expected really, didn't they? I think everyone would have expected. I don't know what the odds were, but I'm sure it would have been on 3, 4, 5 nil. They would have been the favourite scorelines. But do you know what? I know we're going to get onto it later about the, the National League. They might even come out of yesterday feeling perhaps a little bit disappointed because they've lost ground a little bit in the uh, in the playoff chase. Does that does that mean then you think that they'll um, they'll really target the FA Trophy now? Oh look, I think I think they have to. I think um, you know it's such a good trophy. It'll be the first time they've ever played for it. But if they get a trip to Wembley in the first season back in well in the first season in non-league football, then uh, yeah, why not? Especially when you get to the semi-final stage. Yeah, and they may well face Hales Owen, who caused the biggest shock of the day. They came from behind to beat Barnet after extra time. It was a result that made Barnet manager Darren Curry sick to the stomach, and he questioned his team's arrogance, said once he got ahead, they felt they'd won the game. And Hales Owen, they've done it again, a real a real shock there, and, and they keep surprising everyone. Yeah, I mean, that's absolutely brilliant from Hales Owen. I don't know if you remember, Luke, but about four or five years ago, I used to cover Hales Owen quite a lot. They've got a really good fan base. They're a historic old name. So to see them go this far in the FA Trophy is absolutely fantastic. And the way they, they won it yesterday as well, took real guts. They equalised late on in the game and then they went on to win in extra time. Just a few more quotes from, from Darren Curry, and I think this is really telling um, of his Barnet side, who have done all right in the league in, in recent weeks, actually. He said, we were a million miles away from our capabilities. The arrogance that was in our play and our approach has really disappointed me. And so I think I think that sums everything up from, uh, from a Barnet point of view. Probably feels that a playoff push is maybe beyond them with the games they got in hand, and he'd have been another one who'd been targeting Wembley. Yeah, potentially, but I mean, I think... For those who were, who were looking for an upset, that yes, uh, that match was probably the one you'd go for. Um, Hales Owen have scored a hell of a lot of goals this season. They've scored 67 and they've only conceded 15. Whereas Barnet, um, obviously, you know, they're, they're three leagues higher. They've only actually scored 46 goals. I think they're the seventh lowest scorers in the division. So it was a, a reasonably um, 
impotent team coming up against a very, very solid defence. I mean, I don't care what level of football you're playing. To have conceded 15 goals in 24 matches is quite an impressive statistic. Um, Hales Owen, they've got two games in hand. They're already two points clear at the top of their league. They've got an awful lot of confidence. If you were looking at an upset, that's probably been where you'd go. Um, and, you know, they've pulled it off. Just another thing on Barnet as well, Tom, is that they've they've only played 32 games in the league. I know they've had a lot of postponements. They had that one the other week where it had, it had to be abandoned. Um, they've played five games less than Bromley, who, uh, who are above them. Now, I'm sure Barnet wanted to go deep into the FA Trophy and play a couple more games, but it, it may actually be a blessing in disguise. Yeah, well, they've got a big league game on Tuesday, which we'll look at towards the end of the pod. The other tie, which took place on Saturday, probably went to form in a way in terms of league positions. It finished file two, Harrogate three. Again, that game went to extra time. It was played to a finish on the day. And Harrogate prevailed in the end. But I think one thing that Jim Bentley might be happy with, Chris is is the fact that they came, they did come from behind at the death and managed to uh, to get an equaliser to take it into extra time. When over the past few weeks they've been a bit soft, haven't they? I think it's a crumb of comfort to be honest, Luke. I think that um, as you said, Harrogate just picked up where they've left off in the league. Really, they're they're doing well in the in the form table at the moment. And I think from a foul point of view, well, it, is it even more galling when you get so close? I think and. Um, they will put a, they would have put a lot of stall on that. I know that they're they're down there and they're struggling in the in the relegation spaces and it's been let's face it, it's been a pretty miserable week for Fylde with the game against Notts County being called off again on Tuesday. Not too long before kick off, I think that's another discussion, but they need games and they need to start picking up points quickly in the league and uh yeah, I think that might have just capped a little bit of uh Disappointment in the trophy. Although, it, you know, they, they probably saw it as a bit of a free shot yesterday. So uh, they went to Wembley last time, last year twice. So um, maybe not too upset. Who knows? Yeah, let someone else have a go. <laughs> in, in the league, in the National League now, we're going to look at Barrow, who stayed top. They won 2-1 against Dagenham Redbridge. All the... Th- all three goals in that game came within the first half an hour. Uh, the winner scored by Patrick Bruff there in Barrow. After a couple of... Well, we said last week we're having a little bit of a wobble. Well, they, they played a Dagenham side who, who's had a couple of good results recently and, and back on track in Everett's side now, Chris. Yeah, do you, do you know what? This might sound daft, but I think that was a crucial victory yesterday. For Barrow, they would be expected to win against Dagenham and Redbridge, who were struggling at the other end of the table. And after the point last week at Sutton and with Harrogate winning and everything that we were talking about on the pod last week, they were pegged back yesterday and then John Rooney missed a penalty. Um, but it only took a minute, like you say, before Patrick Brough. It's his first goal that he scored at home, actually. Um, he scored the winner. And now the table looks like, uh, well, they're eight points clear, albeit having played one game more. So for, for Barrow, uh, definitely a good day yesterday. And I think the terms you've used there, Luke, as well, show just what a good season Barrow are having. For you to describe their recent form as a wobble, um, which I think, you know, it does look like it is. They've only dropped nine points from the last 30 available to them. So if that's a wobble, then they really should be being uh, applauded for the season they're having. Absolutely, yeah. And the big winners of yesterday as well in the National League in terms of league form, with Harrogate not playing, were Yeovil, who beat Wrexham by three goals to nil. And they go up to... 
third place. Boreham Wood, who were in third, could only draw 1-1 with Hartlepool. That's after... Well, they went to all the shot and lost by three goals to two, a result that meant they ended their 15-game unbeaten run. And Rob caught up with the non-league papers, John Couch, during that game to get his thoughts on everything National League so far. Right, I'm here at the EBB on a very cold Tuesday night, the coldest one we've had. It's about two degrees and feels like minus two. And I'm with a very familiar face, or a familiar face to me, anyway, because he spent a lot of time working here, um, and a familiar name, I'm sure, to a lot of our listeners on the NL Full-Time Podcast. John Couch from the non-league paper. Good evening, John. Good evening. Back to, uh, back to all the shots. <laughs> yeah, you've had Pretty to... cold evening. It is, isn't it? And of course, you've watched an awful lot of games here over the years, yeah. without really focusing particularly on the Aldershot and Boreham. We will come to that in a bit. But um, the National League, the uh, the crazy division of English football, the most diverse division of English football. What do you, what do you make of it, John? Let's let's start at the top. Barrow look as if they might well do it, or they've just been pegged back a little bit as we talk. They have, yeah. They've been... I've had a little bit of a wobble. Uh, I, th- I think I, I went on the uh, our own uh, non-league paper podcast the other day and uh, stated that uh, I thought they had it, already had it in the bag. I'm a little bit <laughs> nervous about that now, but uh, to me they just look like champions at the moment. I love what Ian Everett's done there. He's, 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 he's involving the whole community. Everyone's got everyone's got together. The crowds have gone up huge amount. Uh, and there's a real buzz about the place, and uh, they, they just have a habit of picking up results. They've got they got top class players and Rooney and Dior Angus and Quigley who uh, who who pop up with real vital goals at vital times. And to me, they just look like uh, they look like the team to beat. And they're they're hanging on in there. There's, there's some there's some there's some teams on great form who are, who are going to press them. Harrogate, Bournemouth, who we're seeing tonight, uh, they're they're both in good form, and they're going to. And they're going to take them to the wire, but uh, for me, I think Barrow have just got enough. Yeah, I think you're probably right. None of us on the podcast team predicted Barrow at the start of the season. Um, really, whenever it came in, it was it was due to a sort of uh, a lack of finances, a, a change where, uh, 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 on the board there. So uh, that makes the achievement even more remarkable. A little bit I've had in my bonnet at the moment. I talked to Dave Challoner about it a couple of weeks ago. Most of the players at this level of football, professional, they're all quite technically capable. More and more and more I watch of it, it, I think it comes down to mentality. And the mentality in the Barrow team has come from Ian Everett, hasn't it? The one who said, no, 10th place isn't a good season. We need to push higher, and they have done. That's right. I mean, he was a winner as a player, wasn't he? So, uh, and, he, and he's instilled that mentality in, into his side. Uh, and they just, they just have, uh, they have it all right uh, at, at the back. They're very, very tough to break down. Midfield, they're very combative, and they and they score goals up front. And Barrow has always been a tough place to go, and they've used that to their advantage. And uh, uh, I mean, <laughs> over the years, you know, uh, what covering all the shot. No one ever wanted to go to Barrow, and uh, not many teams ever got anything at Barrow. And uh, as, as I say, they've used that to their as their main strength, really. And uh, it, yeah, the, the the main strength behind their their title bid really is their home form, and uh, and they've been picking up uh, picking up results away from home too. As of course with Boreham Wood, unbeaten in eight away, won their last four, scored two goals in each of their last six away games. Going to be a big, big, tough test for all the shots tonight, but a bit of a free hit for shots. They've climbed to a position of near safety, and nobody will expect them to get a result tonight. Um, it's impossible to predict, though, this league, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I actually looked on, 
I looked on Saturday at the uh, at the bottom of the table, and I didn't actually realise just how close it was down there. Um, and it's not shocking because I, thought, uh, I looked at all the short result and I thought, oh, that's a great result, going to Maidenhead and winning, and Maidenhead's, Maidenhead's another tough place to go. Uh, great result for them. And then you look again, and you think, well, they're like 15th from the table, and they're only and they're only three points off. Off, uh, off fourth bottom, and, there, and there's lots of teams in there, and uh, it, it's it's gonna it's gonna chop and change every every single week. Um, I think I think it is a bit of a free hit for all the shots tonight, um, but I mean they'll go into it with plenty of confidence on the back of that maidenhead win, and uh, who knows? But but Bournemouth. Bournemouth to me look like a, a decent side. That that uh, the signing of Matt Reed last week really. Was a massive statement of intent. It's a real coup, as, wasn't it? I yeah, mean, it was. the thing is, you've got they've got two strikers in double figures. Only Barrow have got that, um, mm. other than other than Borenwood, and they've got Adi Yusuf, who's been sat there on the bench on loan already. But even that wasn't enough for Luke Garrard. He wants Matt Reed. Is that? Do you think about him saying, okay? He's coming to the business end of the season and you need a plan B. You need to be able to sometimes do something different. Um, he's got all bases covered with those four strikers, hasn't he? I think that's very uh, very close to the truth. Shimanga and and, uh, and Tyra Marshall are a lot different sort of players to Matt Reed. Matt Reed's been there, done it. He's, he's big on Burley. He's ideal to throw on throw on with 15 minutes to go either to either kill a game or to or, or, or to uh, or to get a result um, I, I think it's a I, th- I think it's a great signing for him I, I, um, I'm not sure <laughs> I tried to think what he cost but uh, you know that that's that, that's information we're never going to get so mm. but I mean like I say fair play to him I mean I mean uh, it, 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 with that kind of firepower uh, it makes it makes them a threat and uh, and they prove that uh, they can keep it tight at the other end as well. And in the last six games, they scored at least two goals in all their away games. It's staggering stats. Just finishing off the question, everybody wants to know the answer. I don't know if you've got a theory. Back at the other end of the table, whether it's three down or four down, we wait to find out. But um, but John filed. They're in desperate, desperate trouble. Nobody can c- kind of work it out. Good quality players. They started with a good quality manager. Of it, he's gone. They added the more good quality players. What on earth has happened at five? It's, it's, it's the million-dollar question. We, we were talking about it in the office. Uh, myself, Matt Badcock, and, uh, and, and David Richardson the other day. There is no answers. I mean, this is the team who won the FA Trophy last year. They missed out on promotion, but by, by, by the narrowest of margins, <laughs> mainly kept most of their players. Although they did lose three of their four defenders, but replaced them with these decent enough players. You think? This is still a team capable of uh, capable of getting promoted to the football league. They're seeing a big buzz about the place, and they just haven't got going. Um, I saw them at Maiden, Maidenhead quite recently, uh, and it was Jim Bentley's Jim Bentley's first game, and uh, I thought I thought it looked okay. Uh, and, I, and, and under Jim Bentley, I thought, yeah, I think uh, uh, a manager of Jim uh, Jim Bentley's calibre, them up a bit, you know, chuffing them up a bit, and he'll get and he'll get them up. A, a, up the table, but it just hasn't happened. And uh, the five-one, the, the five-one defeat at Dover and by all accounts they were pretty poor. And Jim Bentley was very, very scathing of them on Saturday. Uh, I think that's a worrying sign. Um, and I, I think he's he's running out of time there. He needs to turn that around because uh, they won't, it, relegation cannot be an option for Fylde, and yet it's a very realistic possibility, isn't it? It certainly is. A, a, a club of that stature, they've spent a lot of money on building that club up, and they've done they've done a great job to get it up from step four to step one in such a uh, a short space of time to then 
take a hit and go back down to step two, that will be uh, that will be a, a, a huge uh, a huge blow to the them and to the town itself. It's the magic of the National League. You never know what you're in for. Anybody can beat anybody, and uh, we look forward to uh, hopefully a good game tonight between Aldershot and Bournemouth. And that was John Couch, and as we mentioned, really good win there for Yeovil. Tom, three goals to nil, and Courtney Dufus with a goal there, along with Luke Wilkinson and also Albie Skendi there. A comfortable victory for Yeovil, who've, who've had a couple of defeats themselves recently, back on track. Yeah, definitely. Um, supposedly Luke uh, Wilkinson's goal was a bit of a corker as well, 30-yard strike. Um, it's nice for them that they're able to pick up wins, not just wins, but big wins, um, even when Reese Murphy's not scoring as well. Uh, they're not too dependent on him. And I think, considering... Uh, you know the state of state of play when they came down, the change in manager, huge turnover in playing staff. Um, I think sitting third with a quarter of the season to go, or just under a quarter of the season to go, Yeovil will be really pleased with that. Yeah, I, no, absolutely, totally agree, Tom. And I'm not normally one for the gossip magazines, but I do believe it's Courtney Dufus goes out with Heather Watson, who actually won the Mexican Open today, um, as we speak on on Sunday. So a good weekend for the for the couple. Both pushing each other on, clearly. <laughs> yeah. Say say no more. Uh, as we we'll that, yeah. yeah, we'll move on swiftly to uh, Boreham Wood, who, as we mentioned, lost uh, lost out that third place. They dropped down to fourth. They drew 1-1 with Hartlepool. Interestingly, both goals in this game were scored in the first minute of each half. Kabongo Shimanga in the first minute and Jimmy Torre equalising in the 46th minute. And... Hartlepool, Chris, continue their good form, but for Boreham Wood, a, a bit of a disappointing result for them. You could say that. I think the disappointing result for Boreham Wood, to be honest, was uh, was when the one Rob saw on Tuesday night against Aldershot. No one would have expected that, and uh, by all accounts, Aldershot were good value for that win. Look, Hartlepool, Boreham Wood, two of the real form teams at the moment. I think a draw, you'd probably have had that one on your coupon for a draw, I think, um, because... Like I say, both in good form and, I mean, Kabongo Shimanga is unbelievable, isn't he? We talk about him every week, but he just continues to score. Tom, where is he on the on the goal scoring charts now? Uh, joint fourth at the moment with uh, with Rhys Murphy. Yeah, yeah. So there you go. If he keeps firing, I'm sure Boreham Wood will be there or thereabouts. I completely agree. Uh, Rob's made the point in, in a couple of weeks recently that uh, Luke Garrett's clearly decided he needs a plan B. Um but plan, plan A has been working so well for them. Um, you've got Shimanga, you've got Tyrone Marsh up front, and they're doing doing really well. They've got 30 goals between them this season. The signing of Matt Reed just looked a bit odd to me. Um, you know, he doesn't he doesn't strike me as a player that fits their style of play, and I'll be interested to see how many minutes he gets across the uh, remainder of the season. Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting signing that because they have a good style of football, don't they, Bournemouth? Rewarded. They're ordered for it, really. And like you say, bringing in Matt Reed, whether it's a type of they're looking for a plan B, uh, who knows? There's a lot which um, National League fans don't love about Boreham Wood. I think, you know, they don't get great attendances for a club who are performing as well on the pitch as they do. Non-league fans are easily the most... Uh, precious is the wrong word. Uh, they're easily the most sort of um, haughty about what they see as uh, upstart clubs. And Boreham Wood certainly fit that description for a lot of non-league fans. But... Where they do deserve credit is they have, as you say, that distinctive style of play, but they've managed to maintain it despite all the players they've lost across the last few seasons as well. You know, you lose a Bruno Andrade and a Morgan Ferrier, 
most managers, most clubs would be looking at having to change the playing style to uh, to adapt to that. But no, they scouted well. They identified Kabongo Shimanga at Oxford City. They identified Ty- Tyrone Marsh within their own club. And um, they, they managed to play the same style. Um, and the players seem almost interchangeable. It's really tight in those playoff places now. As I said, Yeovil are in third on 57 points. It's really tight in the playoff places at the minute. Solihull and Stockport both had good wins on Saturday. Solihull 3-0 at home to Dover, who have been knocked out of the playoff places and replaced by Stockport, who won 1-0 at Ebsley. And that had repercussions at the bottom of the table as well, because Ebsley had a really good win at Maidenhead in midweek. And uh, I know I mentioned to you, Chris, I could see Maidenhead dropping into it and the likes of Chesterfield or Ebsley replacing them at the minute though they're still five points clear made in head of that relegation zone despite their defeat which will come on to shortly but for yeah. Solihull and Stockport one point yeah. good wins yeah, one point. sorry yeah for, sorry the five points clear of, of Ebsleet yeah but yeah good wins for Solihull Moors and Stockport after recent defeats yeah I'll take Solihull first Solihull <laughs> I'll take Solihull first really because I think that's a real statement win for Solihull we've talked on the pod recently about Solihull dropping off Dover putting a run in. Um, Dover have looked impressive in, in recent weeks. So for Solihull to win 3-0 in that game was a bit of a shock for me, actually. And it's the first win for, for Jimmy Sham as they, as they thumped Dover, really. I believe that it was a bit f- fortunate with the first game yesterday. But the winner of that game was going to be in the playoff places, and it turns out that it was Solihull. So Solihull now have got two wins out of the last three, and get, once again they're now looking at playoff um, contenders, whereas Dover are now outside of the playoffs. And as you said, Luke, it's so tight up there. If you look, I mean... You can go all the way down to Bromley who are on 51 points. They're only three points off the playoff positions and they're in 12th spot. So it is so tight. If you look at Yeovil, Yeovil 57, uh, Bromley 51, eight places between them. So huge win. Everyone's beating everyone else in this league. If you take out Charlie Fylde and Bromley probably at the moment, everyone's beating everyone else. And um, great win for Solihull yesterday. Just touch on County quickly before um, we move on. Fantastic win for them. A late winner. I think you, I was at a match for you yesterday, wasn't I, Luke? And I think yeah. you said to me that County have only won one in the last six. And I said to you, yeah, but they're unbeaten in three. They're now unbeaten in four and they've taken eight points out of 12. So that's a nice little run that, that County are on and they'll want to keep that unbeaten one going. They have played a few a game or two more than everyone else and they're not playing in midweek. But to sit seventh in the table will give county fans real hope at the moment. And, and Chris, at, at the turn of the year, this really just didn't look on the cards for Stockport at all. What's changed? Um, how have they managed to turn this around and get themselves right up to the cusp of the playoffs? Yeah, well, I think there's one big thing that's, that's changed, and I think it's the change in ownership, because with the change in ownership has, has come funds um, to buy some, well... To be honest, a different calibre of player that Stockport County haven't been really been able to um, attract in, in recent years. They've got Liam Hogan, got Lois Maynard, Danny Lloyd's in on loan until the end of the season, all from Salford, as we've spoken about before. And that's really, well, it's given the squad a boost, it's given uh, the fans a boost, and it's really beginning to show now on the pitch. And I think that, to be honest, is the, is the main difference. I mean, you went down to Bromley there. You could effectively go down to Barnet because they've got four games in hand, five on Stockport, and they're yeah. 12 points off the playoffs. So, obviously, a lot of them will be at home. The pitch won't help them. But if they can just get ahead of steam, Barnet, don't rule them out either. 
one team are going the opposite way. At Bromley, they've just disappeared from sight, haven't they, Tom? Down in 12th position. And they're on a horrible run at the minute. And they lost again on Saturday, 1-0 at home to Sutton. Yeah, and, and that's the one that's going to really sting them, isn't it? Sutton, Kings of South London uh, for this season. One point in the last eight matches is such a disappointing return for a season that, you know, as, as with last season, had started so well for Bromley. Um, they've really just fallen away completely. And what's really worrying about those results is they're losing to the teams that are below them now as well. Um, they're losing to Sutton. They're losing to Wrexham. They, they're three games ago, they lost to Stockport, who have obviously league-progged them quite comfortably in the league now. There really is a lot of work to be done there to turn this around. Yeah, if I could just focus a little bit on Sutton as well, because I think there's evidence that Matt Gray is beginning to really find his feet now at Sutton and they're beginning to drag themselves out of those um, the sort of depths of the of the division because he had four consecutive draws before that win yesterday, so that's a really big win for for Matt Gray. And but some of those draws came against Stockport County, Barrow, Solihull. So the top teams in the division as well. So there were signs that they were, they were improving and I think yesterday's wins are a real biggie for them. And um, they also had Omar Bugel and Nick, and Nick Zanev in the uh, NLP team of the week. So there you go. So a good a good weekend for Sutton. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I've been saying all season, I think actually some of the, the worry that erupted around Sutton after Paul Doswell left was a bit unfounded. Um it's very easy to think that there was that big exodus and that Sutton were going to struggle. But actually, Matt Gray didn't want to keep a lot of those players anyway. Um, he, he made the decision. He was happy for them to go. And he brought in the players that he thought could play his system. It took a few months to get settled. But when you look across the last 10 matches, they're fourth in the form table. Um, and exactly as you say yourself, um, you know, draws against Barrow and Solihull. They're, they're dropping the points they are dropping against the teams right up the top of the table. And there's no shame in that whatsoever. Um Another thing on Sutton as well, which is in the, the non-league paper this week, is of course uh, Tommy Wright has uh, decided to take a step away from football for a, for a short while um, to deal with some mental health issues that he's been uh, well dealing with. Um, so I think uh, all the best to him, and hopefully he's uh, back and, and raring to go when he's ready. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. <clears throat> the other result that we're going to look at the that Torquay beat Charlie by two goals to nil. No real sort of difference in either side there. Torquay just staying in the, the bottom half of the table and Charlie uh, bottom and looking, well, as all they're almost down now. And the other result, Woking beat Maidenhead and, and that just keeps Woking on the cusp of the place. And as we say, Maidenhead, they're on, a, they're on a shocking run as well. They're only a point clear of Chesterfield. And as I said, five points clear of Ebsley and you worry for Maidenhead don't you especially with the good run Chesterfield are on yeah it is worrying times for Maidenhead isn't it and, and not just Maidenhead but all those teams around there I think um as you rightly point out Chesterfield are in a good run of form I think we talked about you talked about it last week I know but Fylde and Chorley you've got to be looking at them really as being cut adrift Ebsley are getting close to that especially as they've played more games than the teams around them but Chesterfield have got a, a really good fighting chance um and Maidenhead, Dagenham, Eastleigh and Wrexham, all of them look in trouble, potentially. But the fact that Maidenhead have got a much worse goal difference than the rest essentially puts them another point adrift. It is worrying times for Maidenhead, definitely. Um, I think uh, I love a little bit of a coup for Woking this week as well, signing up Matt Jarvis, who got his debut goal. Um, you know, got England, in the, England under-21 international Premier League appearances for the likes of Wolves. Um, that's a re- potentially a really good signing for Woking to get them through to the end of the season. 
Yeah, good bit of experience there for Woking. So, Dickie can't be here this week. He's having a nice little break up in the North East. But he has sent us a round-up about what happened in the National League North on Saturday. Yeah, well, it was an intriguing day in Valorama National League North. Only four games played um, because of the vagaries of the weather, but they all seem to affect matters towards the top of the table. Uh, that started off with leaders York City. Uh, they had a chance to put more points on the board, obviously, because with Kings Lynn Town's home game with Offerton called off um, because of waterlogged pitch at the walks, it gave Steve Watson's men an opportunity to stretch their lead at the top of the table, but they, they weren't able to do so. Their, their lead's up to three points, but they only took a point from their game with Curzon Ashton yesterday, and the, the Nash almost took all three points away as well. It was a shock lead for them, given to them by Sheffield United loan player George Broadbent on 74 minutes, but deep into injury time, some confusion between Andy Halls and keeper Cameron Mason allowed Jordan Burrow to prod home the equaliser for York, and they take a point from that one. Um, we were speaking last week about whether the, the points on the board or the games in hand are, are, are going to be uh, the important factor, and, and both of them play in midweek as well, so we'll, we'll start to see how that pans out. Um, obviously no game for Kings Lynn. Boston in third place, their home game with Farsley Celtic also went uh, by the wayside, and no game for Chester in fourth as well. Their game against Gateshead was postponed. Um, that would be a disappointment for Gateshead because they had a tremendous 3-0 win in midweek last week over Boston. Um, they've moved up uh, to the edges of the playoff picture now, and they're 11 games unbeaten as well, so Mike Williamson's men really showing some good form. Altrincham, they were uh, the, the next team in action. They're the fifth in the table. Their game at Hereford did go ahead. Some fantastic work by the ground staff down at Hereford there, if you bear in mind you know, some of the, the, the flooding that we've seen in that city in recent weeks. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, it was the Bulls who were over their head in this one. Elliot Durrell opened the scoring on the stroke of half-time. Simon Richmond added a second goal in the second half. And Altrincham safely in fifth place and looking good. Brackley, they played. They are in sixth position. They were away at Blackwell Meadows to face Darlington. And again, they were a side who had to come from behind to retrieve a point. Adam Campbell gave the Quakers the lead after 41 minutes from the penalty spot. But then Simeon May, a player who'd been at, I think, at Hereford earlier this season, he's recently joined Brackley and he retrieved a point for Kevin Wilkins' men with an equaliser on 78 minutes. Of the three games played, six goals in those uh, three games and then the other National League North game of the day there were six goals in that game alone and that was the one I was at Spennymoor Town 3 AFC Telford United 3 and Spennymoor retrieving a point at the death just to nudge back ahead of Gateshead into seventh place in that final playoff position. It was um, a quite a topsy-turvy game. Marcus Denanga put Telford ahead on 13 minutes. Glenn Taylor equalised almost immediately for Spennymoor, but then Denanga scored an absolute beauty to put Telford ahead on 35 minutes. The books then went 3-1 up with uh, a rather contentious incident, if you're a Moors fan, uh, their ca captain, James Curtis, dismissed for a red card for a high boot on Brendan Daniels. Daniels got to his feet, took the free kick, planted it past Matt Gould from 20 yards, and the Bucks had a 3-1 lead at half-time. But they were 
having to defend Spennymoor coming down the slope at Brewery Field towards him in the second half. And they got the, the, the home side got the shot in the arm of a James Roberts goal on 49 minutes. He glanced a header from a Stephen Brogan free kick into the net. And then it was pretty much all Spennymoor from that point onwards. A couple of opportunities for Telford, which they didn't take that would have put the game safe. Um, and, and that's something I know that manager Gavin Cameron is very unhappy about. But Spennymore, they got the reward deep into injury time in the sixth minute of injury time. Tyler Forbes, the fullback up joining the attack, given the opportunity to take a pot shot at goal from 20, 25 yards out, puts it into the bottom corner and the absolute mayhem ensued. It must have felt like a victory for Spennymore having been 3-1 down. And our manager Jason Ainsley was praised his side's character and their resolution and wasn't happy about the red card for Curtis. They edged back into that playoff spot. But um, you can see how tight it is at the top of the table now. We've got games in midweek coming up as well, and all of the top three are in action. Uh, Brackley hosts Boston on Tuesday, um, so that's third against sixth. Kings Lynn, they start to tick off their... Well, it won't be a game in hand because York are playing on the same night, but Kings Lynn looking to um, at least play catch-up on some of the games they've now got to play. I think they've still got 14 matches to play left this season. They're away at Leamington. And then York, they're at home to Hereford. That was a game that was postponed recently because of the weather. So it could be no change at the top three positions if all three of the, the, the top three get wins or if they match one another's results. But there's going to be a lot more twists and turns in this one yet, I'm sure. And that was Dickie's Roundup, and he will be back with us next week for all those Dickie Wharton fans out there. We're going to look at the National League South next. How are you? How are you really? Modern life's busy, but it's important to take care of yourself. Making small changes to your lifestyle now could improve your chances of staying healthier longer. See how you score on our How Are You quiz and get free tips and support from how to eat a little healthier to getting more active. Just search One You. Hi, I'm Jay Robinson, and you're listening to the NL Full-Time Podcast. In the National League South, three postponements in the division. Hampton and Richmond against Chelmsford, Hungerford against Hemel Hempstead, and Welling against Haven and Waterlooville. The big game was probably at the top of the division, Dartford against Wilson. Dartford have been in decent form, as you say, under Steve King. They've been uh, really good form, really solid form. Wheelstone have been... We talked about it last week, felt as though they've had a really couple of season-defining results, but they'll be pleased with that point at Dartford as well, won't they? Yeah, they will, but Dartford will be pleased with it too. Um, we're still just at that stage now, aren't they, where they just need to they need to not lose games and the title's theirs, essentially. They're six points clear with two games in hand. Um, so taking a point at a place like Prince's Park, with the form that Dartford have been in, um, they'll yeah, they'll definitely, uh, Dean Brennan will be looking at that as a good result. Although, you know, after uh, a loss uh, to Chelmsford last week and now a draw, two games without victories, um, he'll want to get that turned around as quickly as he can next week. There's a big game on Wednesday night down at Wesley Park, the home of Haven and Waterlooville. They beat Slough by a goal to nil. Not often we see Slough losing a game there, but Slough were in the most entertaining game on Saturday. They won 5-3 at Dorking. They were, they were 2-1 down, then they went... 4-2 up before Jason Pryor scored again and then two goals from the Harrises. There was also a hat-trick for Dan Roberts and really good result that for Slough and Dorking just slipping off the pace a little bit. Well, what, but what an entertaining game and what a comeback from Slough, certainly after the week they had. Yeah, definitely. So 
Uh, interestingly, Slough have, have not been outside the top five for form all season. They're by far and away the most consistent team in the division. Um, even Wilson have at times dropped out of that top five. So huge credit to um, Neil Baker and John Underwood, the joint managers there, for what they're achieving. Um, a disappointing loss for them against Havant and Waterlooville in midweek. So to bounce back with their highest scoring match of the season, um, they'll be really pleased with that. As you mentioned, a hat-trick for Dan Roberts and then goals for the, for the two Harrises as well. Um, what I've been really impressed with with Slough Town is how they've spread the goals around the team this season. Um, they've got one player on 12, that's Dan Roberts, then two on nine and uh, one uh, another one on seven as well. So they're really spreading those goals around and they're not too reliant on anybody. You know, they... Sorry, two seconds. Right. Made a few, they made a few signings this week as well, or in the last few weeks. They've not been afraid to dip into the transfer market when they've needed to, just to bolster what they've already got. Um, you know, they've brought in Louis Soares from Hampton and Richmond, though he has since gone out again. Um, and this this week, they've got a really interesting signing in Paul Hodges from Woking. Um, I really like Paul Hodges. He's um, he, had, he was in my team in the season last year. Uh, but for, for whatever reason, it just didn't seem to happen for him at National League level this season. Um, he's a full-time teacher as well. Um, so he's dropped back down to National League South, and I think he'll really suit Slough Town. Um, they're such a combative outfit, but a player like him who can get on the ball and beat people in that final third um, could really help them over the line to securing uh, that top three finish um, and getting that the benefit of that at the playoff stage. Like the National League... Every game in the National League South seemed to have something on it on Saturday. And last week, of course, I was at Hungerford against Braintree and interviewed George Borg after. He wasn't happy. And he, his, his, his final line was, knowing us, we'll go and beat Bath next week. And that's exactly what they went and did. And it moved Braintree out of the bottom two. And it meant Bath slipped down the table down to fourth. Yeah, I think that's probably actually um, the, the most surprising result in the division this weekend. Um, that's a really positive result for Braintree. Um, they've been in a stinking run of form. They've only won one match going way back to December. Um, so a really impressive result from them. Again, they've just had such a huge turnover of players this season. Um, it's actually quite difficult to keep track of because their website is, without a shadow of a doubt, the worst website in the National League South. But by my count, they've they've moved on 27 players um, across the course of this season. Um, you know, how anyone can expect to build any sort of consistency with that sort of player turnover, I don't know. But a 2-0 win against a, a good Bath side is a really impressive result. I believe, talking to one of the directors last week, they've used 59 players and they've actually run out of tracksuits to give them now. So there are most <laughs> of the players are having to wear their own tracksuits. Non-league football problems, eh? I love it. <laughs> yeah, Exactly. Well, as I said, Bath slipped down to fourth. They're replaced by Weymouth, whose great season continues on and on and on. And they absolutely slapped Maidstone on Saturday by five goals to one. We'll get on to Maidstone in a minute, Tom, but Weymouth, fantastic job Mark Mosley's doing there. Yeah, I mean, what an astonishing season for them. To lose a 38-goal goal scorer in the summer, you're promoted, and still go on to be in the top three with um, just under a quarter of the season left is absolutely remarkable. Um, as you know, I predicted them to just about avoid relegation this season, um, and I think they have they have just about done that now. You know, the 50 <laughs> points is, is pretty much the magic number, isn't it? I think it's actually going to be a lot. Don't get any points for that, Tom. You know. No, well, I mean, I don't get any points, but I do get a lot of stick for it. So, um, you know, absolutely fair play to Weymouth. And again, you know, like I said with Slough, they've. 
they've reacted to the loss of a really, really efficient goal scorer by just by spreading the goals around the team. Um, they've got Abdullah Baggy, who missed a penalty this weekend, unfortunately. They've got Brett Williams, Josh McCoy, Yemi Ojibadi, uh, Ben Thompson. All of those guys are scoring regularly um, and they're sharing it around. And what's great about that, it's, it's the anti-Danny file, uh, Danny Rowe filed complex, isn't it? Where we've seen in the first half of this season how when you can stop Danny, Ra- Danny Rowe, you stop filed. Well, if you've got six people who are your goal-scoring threats, it's very difficult. Even if one of them has an off day, it's very difficult for the team to stop you uh, stop you offensively. Yeah, and in terms of Maidstone there, in 10th position, we've said a few weeks ago, well, they're just outside the playoff places, but they've got a few games in hand. They've now only got one, maybe two games in hand on the teams above them. And really disappointing Maidstone. And it's one of those, I like Hakan Hiretin as a coach, and he's done some good work in the past, but do you think the presence of John Stills there holding him back a little bit? Because the full-time Maidstone, and they're really disappointing at the minute. Yeah, I don't know if I'd say that the presence of uh, John Stills holding him back. Um, I've always got the impression that those two work reasonably well together. Um, but, you know, there is something amiss at Maidstone because, uh, as you rightly say, they're, they're a full-time professional outfit and there's there's a lot fewer of those in the National League South than there are in the National League North. But since we spoke about them a few weeks ago and said that they look well-placed to, to put in a bit of a playoff challenge, they've now lost four on the bounce. Um, and to be honest with you, with the form of the likes of Dartford and Hampton and Richmond above them, I can't see them getting back into the playoff places. They're eight points off the playoffs as it is, um, and they're just not playing as well as the teams above them. A real worry there for Hacken Hiretton and his troops. <clears throat> yeah, so we're going to move on to the bottom. And as we said, this time last week when we did the podcast, Braintree had slipped into the bottom two after losing at Hungerford. With Braintree winning Dulwich, and St Albans both lost, which means St Albans slipped back into the bottom two. Dulwich uh, are only out of the relegations goal, uh, relegation zone on goal difference, as are Ricky Tombridge with a really good win as well against Dulwich. And um, you can go all the way up to Concord now. I know Concord have got a few games in hand because of the FA Trophy, as have Tunbridge because of, of pitch issues. We'll, we'll talk about Tunbridge's situation in depth shortly, but again, really tight down at the bottom. That was a massive win for Chippenham as well against St Albans. It, it's really difficult to predict at the minute who's going to go down. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And, you know, we talked about that eight-horse race in um, in the National League. Well, we've got exactly the same in the National League South, um, and it's really, really engrossing, isn't it? Um I think I think you're right where you've drawn your cut off. I think Chippenham are probably the first uh, Chippenham are probably the first side that I would say are safe. They're only four points away, but their form is noticeably less better than the teams below them. Um, I think they've won they've picked up twelve points from their last possible fifteen, so they're motoring nicely at the moment. Um Billericay I expect to pull away. They've got four games in hand on Dulwich and St Albans above and below them, so I'd expect them to draw clear of that. Any, you know, the rest of the teams down there it really is anybody's anybody's choice. I think Hungerford nine points adrift. Let's see how they get on with those two games in hand. If they can pick up four points from them, then it's probably not quite over yet. If they're unable, if they're unable to get at least four points from those two games, then I think that it's um, it's curtains for Hungerford really. Yeah, and the next home game is against Concord. Of course, I'll have one eye on that uh, FA Trophy game against Royston. But we talked about Eastbourne Borough a few weeks ago. We thought they'd pulled away. As I say, they're heading back in to that danger zone as well. And it's 
it's, it's so difficult to predict. Billy Ricky have, have struggled away from home. They've got loads of home games to come up because of their pitch hasn't been viable to play on recently. So I can't see Billy Ricky going down, though, can you? But you don't know about the others. I can't see Billy Ricky going down, I agree. Um, you know, I talked about Braintree's turnover players. Well, Billy Ricky's is a bit more easy to follow, and they've seen 33 players out the door this season, um, which is just madness. And obviously, we spoke to Jamie O'Hara a few weeks ago, and he said that it has been a real challenge um, getting game, getting games fulfilled, especially because of that pitch. Um, you know, I don't think it's any secret that there are rumours abounding about damage being done to the pitch, and I wouldn't want to speculate on that any more than I have just done there. Um but it's a difficult situation for them. They're, they're, they're left with a lot of games to fulfil with quite a small squad. When you're asking part-time players to put in that amount of matches, you're going to get injuries as well. Um, they've been very good at exploiting the loan market. They've, you know, The likes of Faisal Patash and Temis Kefales have come in on lo- various loans and done well for them. Um, I do think they'll have too much to go down though I think you know the likes of uh, Jake Robinson will score them the goals getting away I think Femiak in one day was a really really good bit of business to bring him in um, from Braintree uh, you know when you steal one of the best players from your direct rivals uh, it, it has you know a positive effect for you and a negative effect for them doesn't it so that was a good bit of business and I do think they've got too much if I was to uh, really really push myself I think I think Dulwich could be in trouble, although they've got a, a reasonably, they've got a much better goal difference than anyone else. Um, but I, I do think it will be St Albans City and Hungerford Town. I mean, St Albans have been right down there all the way see, through the season. Tunbridge have had a really good few couple, uh, couple of weeks recently and pulled themselves a little bit away from danger. Um, I, I just think St Albans and Hungerford could be could be the ones to watch. The only issue with Hungerford is, sorry, the only issue with Tunbridge is they've not been playing games at home because of the pitch and it, they did announce this week that the the suffering the suffering losses because of it because they can't afford to you know to open the ground up and, and play games and it and make money and they said they only need sort of seven and a half thousand to survive or, or keep going and running at a, an, on an even keel so they're just encouraging people to do a bit more but it is a bit worrying it does seem to be a bit of unrest there it is i mean i'm not sure if i'd use the word unrest because i've not got the impression that people are you know, it's fan owned. They know what the situation is. Um, and if that is the reality of running a football club in, in non-league, isn't it? And it's difficult for them. And the, the, the implication was made very clear in that statement by the Concord uh, board. If they can't raise the funds, then it's going to have to have an impact on the playing budget. Um, they're already dependent on the 12th man fund that they have, as I know a lot of clubs are, to keep them competitive in this division. Um you know, I, I don't have any information whatsoever on what sort of money their players are on. But, uh, you know, you, you look at the squad and you think if they were to lose, you know, even a couple of those uh, those decent players who are keeping them where they are, the likes of a Joe Turner um, and, and his goals have been so crucial. I think Christier, he's had a bit of an impact since he's come in. Um, even one or two players having to be culled to make ends meet could have a really disastrous impact on uh, on how their season goes. Just before we go, there's um, some good-looking fixtures on Tuesday evening. Charlie against Eastley. Eastley want to win that just to pull away from the relegation zone. Then that derby, Barnet against Boreham Wood. 
Both sides will want to get back to winning ways for different reasons. Chesterfield against Harrogate, again, big game for either for either end of the table in the relegation and the promotion battle. Halifax against Sutton, again, Halifax will be looking to, to win to stay in those playoff places. Filed against Notts County, there was a bit of needle over that because that got called off last minute last Tuesday evening and filed desperately to win that. And then Solihull against Hartlepool. So there's, there's not one game there that's got a dead rubber feel about it at all, has it? No, absolutely. They're all crackers, aren't they? I mean, the one that you might look at, you might think, well, um, you know, Chorley are possibly all but down, but then Eastley need the points. So, yeah, really good set of fixtures there. And this really, this is really a result of the revised, I mean, we call it the revised playoff structure, but uh, the playoff structure that was bought in a couple of seasons ago where seventh is uh, is enough to get you in the playoff because it really does keep things interesting. And, and down at the bottom, I think, as Tom was alluding to before, there's an eight-horse race. Can you have an eight-horse race? Well, there's probably quite a lot of them. And I think Aldershot are probably uh, fine now. Rob will be pleased to know. But uh, great set of fixtures on Tuesday. I think if I wanted to be at one, I can't be at one this week. If I did want to be at one, I think uh, I think filed v Notts County, as you say, with the with the needle in it, would be the one to be at. Yeah, Tom. It's. Um, do you think this could be a defining Tuesday of the season? I mean, I, I know it's a bit of a rubbish answer, but I think we're getting to that point now where every week, every weekend, every fixture, we're getting some defining uh, matches. Um, every match counts now, doesn't it? Um, but yeah, definitely, there are some really good matchups in there, um, and it's you know it's, it's one of the many Tuesdays that I'm very disappointed to be away. Nice one. Thanks for joining us, Chris. No worries. Cheers, Luke. Well, Tom, thanks very much for joining us also. No worries. Thanks for having me. Cheers. And that is it. Thank you very much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to us on Twitter at NL Full Time and on iTunes and Spotify as well. And then you can get the podcast uploaded to your device every week. Until then, happy football watching and we're back next weekend.